This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Monday in America, mom's running the uh, vacuum cleaner upstairs, OG, while while we get started. Why does she always think it's time to vacuum when we're trying to podcast down here? It's as if she owns the place. Yeah, it's a hoot, right? I mean, just trying to get some get some work done today and uh, can't concentrate because, you know. Hey, you know what, OG, though? There is good news for the stackers out there. This is crap you'll never hear on the Dave Ramsey show. <laughs> you're, you're never going to have mom behind behind you. This uh, is the real America. Oh, Dave, uh, Dave, excuse me. I I, I got to get back over here. I got to dust behind the microphones while you're in the middle of your radio mom show. Mom acts like we're not paying rent. <laughs> oh, good point. Well, hey, enough of that. We need to raise our glasses, gentlemen, because we had a fantastic weekend. And uh, it's all because we had the men and women of our armed forces taking care of us. So on behalf of those of us sweeping up here in the uh, vacuuming in the basement, those of us making podcasts, the men and women making podcasts, the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union, big salute to our troops. Cheers. Hashtag America. Is this your place? No. No, 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 no. No, I live with my mom. Oh. Yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and are you ready for student loan payments to resume? Wait, wasn't that a law that passed? Yeah, the Supreme Court struck that down. Wait, but isn't there another plan? It turns out there is, but we'll sort out all of your options on today's show with debt attorney extraordinaire, Leslie Tane. For our TikTok Minute, we'll share an ingenious product you can buy for your mental health, and in our headlines, all of your favorite stock indexes are rebalancing. What does that even mean? We'll share. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky stacker. And of course, I'll save time for some trivia that is nothing less than brilliant. And now, two guys who are ready to be the brilliant beacons of hope for a better financial future for us all. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey, 
Hey, Doug, turns out the hyperbole in your open goes to 11. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wasn't even, <laughs> I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> Welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show, the greatest money show on earth. I am Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter. Easy for me to say. We have got uh, the Monday awesomeness coming your way with uh, Leslie Tain working through uh, what's going on with student loans. Turns out, uh, OG, they're going to be they're going to be asking us for money now. If we've got student loans, apparently uh, we're, we're, we got to pay those uh, one star. I got to give this whole student loan process one star. Not a fan of student loans. No, well, I'm a fan of student loans. I'm just not a fan of this idea of repayment interest, <laughs> right? Yes. I'm very interested in not repaying. How do I continue that strategy? And, uh, Leslie will be coming down the stairs to the basement here shortly. But before that, OG, I think we seriously need to have a talk about with mom about uh, the rules. I thought maybe we sit mom down and we, um, we talk about vacuuming the basement. Maybe we tell her a little bit about this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Don't you think that would help her a lot? I don't think she'll get the message. If she took advantage of that thing that we just played. You know, that thing that magically appears at that spot. Yeah. Right there. I don't think she'll get the message, though. Well, you know, that's like the left hook. Then we hit her with this. Well, now you got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were an hour ago when you started listening to the show. And you know what? For a great partner, become a member at Navy Federal Credit Union because... Becoming a member at Navy Federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan. Choose the best option because both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. We should punch mom. <laughs> That's probably no, not. Highly, <laughs> highly inadvisable. Do uh, not. She, she, she might also have to turn the volume up to hear it over the vacuum, ma. But still, we'll play it for her. Here it is. No? You still think she won't get it? It's a valiant effort. Leslie Tain. Coming down to the basement before that, a big headline. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. 
And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Reuters. This is from about a week ago. Wall Street heavyweights mixed ahead of the NASDAQ 100 rebalance. Reuters reported then shares of Wall Street's most valuable companies were mixed uh, Friday before last out of a rebalance of the NASDAQ 100 index to address the benchmarks overconcentration. Reason we didn't cover this OG in an earlier headline is this is not news that you should ever react on. Clearly, Reuters reporting that the markets did not react to this. But the thing is, most stackers don't realize that indexes, in this case, the NASDAQ, but also the S&P 500 is getting ready to add, as we're reporting on our Stacking Deeds sister show, getting ready to add REITs and real estate in general as one of the categories that are in the S&P 500. These indexes, OG, are actually not as static as people think they are. They are kind of self-cleaning. Like as a company in the S&P 500, as an example, as a company underperforms, if it underperforms for long enough, OG, they take it out. I mean, this is another cool thing about indexing is weeding the garden gets a heck of a lot easier. Well, it's nothing that you have to do. And if you try to, you know, use that information, it's very difficult to make investment decisions based on, you know, these articles about rebalancing and that sort of thing, because it's already happening for you. And to your point, it's like, you don't have to worry about trying to, trying to keep track of, you know, which companies are doing what it's automatically handled for you. We often find when we talk to stackers that have individual stocks, OG, that they will go, oh, I should have gotten rid of that a long time ago, right? I mean, buying individual stocks might give you some upside, but also if you've got a full-time job, if you're, if you're working in another field, you got to keep track of that garden. You got to keep weeding the garden. And, you know, we talk about so many upsides of, of indexing. This is one that's just a, a hidden thing. You could hold on to the S&P 500 for 20 years and it'll change every year and you don't have to do a thing. Yeah, twice a year, as a matter of fact. So it'll change 20 times in 10 years. It'll change 40 times in that 20 years. But um, the funny thing is, is when you look at individual stock picking, right? And you say, okay, I want to own, you know, this position. You probably would own it if you had a S&P fund or a Russell 2000 fund or something like that, right? I mean, the likelihood of you owning it is pretty high. So you're participating in it. What you're saying by having individual positions is I want to overweight, in this idea or in this thing. Sometimes you're right with that, but a lot of times it's very difficult to pick that horse in advance. So I don't know why you'd try. Well, and this is what's frustrating. So many investors will own an index, they'll own a fund, and yet they will buy and sell in and out of that fund. And if you own the S&P 500, like what do you, S&P 500 makes these moves. The NASDAQ in this case, with this particular headline, makes their rebalancing move based on data that they have. Often, OG, I, I talk to people about why they make a move. They're like, oh, it's, my gut feels like this stock's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. The old gut index. <laughs> so wait a minute. So I have an index that is uh, professionally deciding when to, when to change the weighting, when to do what they do. And I'm going to second guess that person. And heck, you know, we talk about active funds often underperforming these indexes. And people even do it with these active funds. So I I have a collection of stocks. I have a manager who manages these stocks and I'm going to buy and sell uh, because I'm, why? Because I'm smarter than the manager. I know more than they do. Yeah. It is kind of interesting when you, when you look at it and look at just the sheer quantity of positions that you actually have, right? 
parts of. You buy an S&P 500 fund, a total market fund, or you know, small company fund or something like that, you might have eight or 9,000 different stock positions in your portfolio on three different line items. And meanwhile, you're going, I think I want to trade this today. It's like, what are you doing? Just, (laughs) just invest the money, sit down, invest the money and, uh, let these indexes take care of it for you. You know, we recommend something called an investment policy statement that people use when they're building a portfolio. That's where you, you set up your portfolio in a way that you're setting certain conditions. Can you talk for a second about an investment policy statement and how using indexes might work in an investment policy statement? Well, I think the the part you want to start with is how much money do I need to make to reach my goals? You know, when you look at what you're trying to accomplish, let's say you're 30 years old and you're going, I think I want to retire when I'm 60 and I want this type of lifestyle and that sort of thing. You can work backwards to find out the rate of return that you need to accomplish your goals. I think people start with the wrong side of it. They think, well, how risky am I? Well, how risky do you have to be? That's really the question. You know, if you're not risky enough and you never reach your goals, I guess that was pretty risky, right? Right, You you know, it's like, so you have to start with, well, what, what am I trying to get to? So you can just figure out, you know, and do some calculations, how much, you know, what's inflation and how much income do I need at 30 and 30 years from now. So how much money do I need? And then you can extrapolate from that. How much do I have and how much am I saving? And then how much does it have to grow? Because it's going to have to do something. You're going to have to have some sort of market growth, some sort of return on your savings, because it's not possible for you to save all of tomorrow's future money today. There's not enough money. You don't make enough. You know, you have to have the power of compounding. So then you start with how much do I need in terms of return? And then look at the kind of big buckets. We just use basically four big areas to think about big companies and small companies, US and non-US. So you can kind of make a little quadrant there of of those things and say, well, what are what uh, allocation or what percentage of those big rocks allows me a high likelihood of getting the return I need for my 30-year time horizon? An investment policy statement is just you writing it down on a piece of paper that says, yeah. I will do this. It's, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to have, you know, lots of pages or disclosures or anything like that. I mean, just write it on a write it on your mirror with lipstick or something. I will invest 60% of my money in large U.S. stocks. That's and how OG did it right there. That's, that's he it. He just took his lipstick out and put it on the mirror. And, and, and you've got it. We love this way of investing because I know a lot of uh, the stackers out there, especially the new ones are like, how do, how do I know when to use these indexes? Don't start there. I love starting with what you need because then the indexes pick themselves because then you're asking the question, OG, you, the question you're not asking is, is this good or bad? You're asking the question, does this meet my end goal? Yeah. Does it and fit? so, yeah, things will weed themselves out instead of freaking out about all the different investments out there. We will dive more into that in our newsletter, the 201 that comes out every Tuesday, Thursday. And we have Kate's birthday bash going on right now. Our marketing director, Kate, who is having a milestone birthday. We're giving away some Sennheiser headphones. So if you've been thinking, ah, you know what? I really need the 201, but I keep forgetting. Now's a good time. You want to get in there by Saturday of this week to make sure that you get registered. If you already get the 201, we remembered you too. Kate said, hey, if they refer a friend, We'll give them and the friend also a ticket into our giveaway for the for the Sennhausers. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash 201 or stackybenjamins.com slash birthday bash. Either one of those will get you signed up. And by the way, if you get the 201, remember, use your own referral code to make sure that you get credit. And that is inside. Or mine. 
every episode of the two, of the 201. You just click in the 201, go about halfway down, and you'll see your own referral code is right in the one we send you. Everybody gets one that's a little different. Time now for our TikTok Minute. This is the part of the show where we shine a light on some TikTok person either sharing something brilliant or hashtag brilliant online. OG, um, I'm going to ask you not the regular question. Do you prefer spending money on experiences or on things? Yes. Correct. <laughs> they say that. He's answering that before you even finish. Do you prefer spending money? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, I'm wait a, a fan. Yes. I'm a fan. Uh, well, how about something like this that maybe bridges, you know, bridges a couple things. It it helps out with uh, family relations. It makes sure that you have a great experience. And, um, and well, let's listen in. This is a service that this guy provides that uh, some of our stackers might be interested in. Okay, for 500, we arrest you in front of your wife or your girlfriend. We come in hot. Police cars, siren lights, uniform, handcuffs, radio going, read Miranda. We'll even tase you for an extra 25, but there's a different waiver for that. Uh, we leave under very confusing circumstances, so it's hard for them to track you down. We take you to a campsite that's paid for, tent, beer, bait, fishing license, fishing equipment. And on Monday, around noon, we release you at the uh, Waffle House, and we just say it was a big misunderstanding. Okay, for how about that, huh? Sign me up. <laughs> Absolutely. The The first comment on here, OG, says, uh, my guy's about to be a millionaire in about an hour. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Maybe. We could all do that. Second one says, uh, I want my phone outside the jail. So when she looks at the location, I'm at the jail all weekend. <laughs> just just <laughs> like somebody thinking this completely somebody through. Somebody thought this through. There's a little yes. Dropbox. <laughs> little, little locker like at uh, when we were at Cedar Point where you put all your stuff and it's just a little locker and then you come and unlock it. Come get your. It is. Uh, and by the way, lots of women on this saying, why does that have to be boyfriend or husband? I want this deal. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I think you're missing half the audience if you just go with go with the men. Uh, in fact, there's a there's a woman says, is there a weekly or monthly package? I want the platinum. <laughs> like, <laughs> just so it would be funny if like every third week you're boyfriend or girlfriend's getting tased. <laughs> How come it's a misunderstanding every second week? Every time. Yes. Might, might end up being uh, better for your health to just get out of the, out of the relationship. Oh my God. The next one says, who do I call and And uh, can I pay double to stay longer? That'd be other people asking if it could be at work. Yeah, This guy's not charging enough. No, no, clearly far more demand for this than we thought. Well, coming up next, we've got the student loan crisis back in uh, in the headlights. Um, uh, this this thing that I might have to repay my debt. What the heck is that all about? OG attorney extraordinaire Leslie Tain going to join us. But before we get there, Doug, I think you've uh, got some trivia for us. Sure do, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm hoping Leslie Tain can clear up all this confusion about student loan repayments because I am super worried about mine. Seems like the only people who truly care about me aren't Joe and OG or even Joe's mom. It's my student loan servicing company. Yeah, they call me nonstop. Plus, I truly worry about repayment. I mean, who can afford to even add in a student loan payment with all the inflation we've had? But I know I'm not here to complain about student loans. I'm here with your trivia question. So let's tackle that, shall we? And to tie this into today's show, let's go with a student loan question. Which professions practitioners take out the highest amount of student loan debt? I'll be back with the answer right after I call and see just how much my loans are going to cost me each month. (laughs) 
Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse And half the reason is, is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy, but with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive. Number one, it has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And you can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login. Anybody who's on your team, and you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, you can try too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm Master Budgeter and Student Loan Disperser Disposer, Joe's Mom's Neighbor Doug. Well, I just got some bad news. It turns out my balance is way higher than I thought, and I'm going to seriously have to watch how I spend my money. Oh, man. The last time I had a conundrum this big, it was the time I had to choose between the popcorn shrimp appetizer at the Sizzler and the coconut shrimp. And everyone knows I love them both. Well, I can't solve this one the same way by ordering both. And I also will probably never be able to order both again because get this, my student loan bill? Yeah, I owe a whopping $286 on my student loans. 
Still, after all these years, that means I have to add an amazing $4 a month for the next eight years to the old budget. Ouch! Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't close to some of your debt. Seriously, I don't know how you do it. Listen to today's trivia answer. The question was, which profession has the highest average balance of student loan debt? Well, with an average of $292,000 in student loans when they finish, number one with a bullet are dental students. Doctors in general have over $200,000 in debt, but interestingly, nurses usually have a very low student loan balance when compared to many other professions. So are student loans going to get deferred again? What should our strategy be? Here to answer those questions and more, say hello to attorney Leslie Tate. I'm super happy she's back with us here. Leslie Tane joins us in mom's basement. How are you? Good. Great. How you doing? Having a great summer. <laughs> well, you guys? well, me too. You having a great summer helping a lot of dental students out of their debt. Have you had many dental people that have had uh, big time debt problems? Yes, I have. Many, many dentists with uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Wow. That means they need to, I don't know, recommend braces more often for more people. Do a lot of drilling. <laughs> they of, right. They're getting their teeth kicked in by the financial industry. <laughs> right. All right, Leslie, walk us through this. So it appears we might have to repay, but let's begin at the beginning. President Biden and the administration had this great uh, thing letting a lot of uh, a lot of people either defer longer, maybe release some debt. That all got knocked down by what, the Supreme Court? Yes, the Supreme Court decided that the Biden administration did not have the authority to act and make that determination that there should be student loan forgiveness on the on the federal student loans. So that's long gone now. Okay, so that means that now we may have to repay. But now I'm seeing lots of headlines about the administration has another plan and that there's a good, well, I don't know if it's a good possibility or not. Are we going to see a plan make it through Congress or should I get ready to pay my bills? You know, I'm of the opinion that one should be ready to pay their bills because even if something makes it through Congress, it's not going to be a widespread debt relief program where you're going to get all of your student loan debt forgiven. What they're talking about, uh, the programs that they're talking about are making it easier to pay back, widening some of the programs so that more people can apply and more people qualify for some of the programs that they have. But it is not the same program that was offered and then shut down by the Supreme Court. That was a forgiveness program where based on income, you could get forgiveness up to $10,000 or up to $20,000. That is completely off the table. What they're talking about really is, again, widening the birth of the opportunity for different programs. So get ready to pay. Yeah. Well, I like what, I like what Leslie's saying. Let's widen this out a little bit more than student debt, which is, you know, when you build your financial plan, OG, I like this idea of plan for the worst, like Leslie's talking about and hope for the best. Well, and it wasn't just about three or four years ago when you were already paying these bills, or a lot of us were paying anyway, and, and then they went away. Some people kept on saving the money into a special place, a savings account or investment account or something like that to be able to keep that muscle going. You know, we're running out of days now. I think when's, when's the payback time? October, I think, is what I think I've heard in terms of the time frame. I'm thinking about this from the perspective of somebody who went from nothing or is going from nothing to like a thousand bucks a month or $800 a month, some pretty substantial payback cash flow. I would start working on that now, you know, in terms of, you know, building the strength to be able to pull that off in October. If, if I'm right, and it's the first of October, you know, you've got 
August, September, and October to kind of get yourself up and running. You know, maybe you can't pull off $800 a month right now, but maybe you can save $300. And then in September, save $500. And then by the time you get to October, you can kind of figure out the budget to make it work as opposed to October 1 or October 15, whenever it's due, oh, boom, here's a big giant bill that you haven't been paying for a long time. What are, Leslie, what are some of those things we should be focused in on with, as OG's talking about this runway to October? So I would agree with all that. The, the payments are supposed to resume sometime in October, after October 1st, but interest starts again in September. So if you can make a payment, uh, if you have the money to pay off your student loans, and some people have been saving. I actually have a veterinary client who um, has been saving for the last three years, and she has over almost a quarter million dollars left on her student loans, and she is going to pay it off wow. right as soon as the, the interest rate is going to kick back in in um, September 1st. So if you've been saving and you have the money, it's a great time to pay off or pay down the student loans. It is a fabulous time to put money into a savings account because savings, basic savings accounts are paying you know, for around 4%. So it's a great time to put money in a savings account and use that to help pay your student loans. You can prepay your student loans. It's, over the course of the last three years, there was no rule that said you weren't allowed to pay. There was just no requirement to pay. So you could have been, and some people have been, chipping away at the balances because when interest kicks back in, it's going to kick back in on whatever's remaining. So if what's remaining is less because you paid it down, the overall amount that you ultimately pay will be less because interest will be on lesser balance. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It seems to me, well, when you and I had a great discussion on Instagram, we did an Instagram live with some stackers and they asked some phenomenal questions. If you want to hang out with us on Instagram, get our welcome kit, stackingbenjamins.com slash welcome. But Leslie, you were telling people there too, it's been a long time since you may have paid your student loan. You might want to contact the servicer. Absolutely. So many people have moved around and servicers are changing. So and some of the programs are changing. So the names of the programs are going to change. So if you've moved around or you're not sure that your servicer is the same one from before, it is a great time to contact the servicer and make sure that your information is up to date, that they have your current mailing address, email address, that you can log into your account appropriately and that you have the information you need for the newer programs that are coming out. Some programs have to be applied to, some are going to be automatic. So, and your finances may have changed over the last three years, putting you into possibly allowing you to qualify for some of the newer programs. So it's a great time to reach out. I wouldn't recommend waiting to the last minute because a lot of people wait to the last minute and you could find it very difficult to get in touch with the student loan servicers. They could be bombarded. So, you know, there's there's definitely something to be said about getting ahead of the pack. Well, plus, I think the quicker you know what the burden's going to be and make sure everything's right, the better you can focus on what OG's talking about, which is your strategy. Now, let's say that I'm on the opposite side of that. I'd love to be that veterinarian that's going to pay off a quarter million dollars of debt in one fell swoop. How kick-ass is that? But let's say I'm on the other side of that. I hear that number, Leslie, and I'm like, there's no way I can come up with it. What are my options? So there are so many options and you really, it's going to be dependent on your income. So your options have to be discussed with the servicer because again, there's new programs and some confusion and some changes to existing programs like the public student loan forgiveness program. They're changing some of the parameters to that, meaning that used to be full-time work 
Uh, now they're saying anything over 30 hours. So that might change your qualifications for that type of program. You have to reach out to the servicer and discuss it. But in order to be able to discuss it intellectually and understand what really you're, you're, where you're at, you have to have your not only your budget, but you have to have your tax returns and your income. You need to know how much money comes into your household and goes out in order to know, you know, what am I going to qualify for? Because they're going to ask you the first question about how much do you make? And if you can't answer that question, I know it sounds crazy, but there's a lot of people who can't answer the question about how much they actually make that's a well our number zero i mean we <laughs> we just we're, we're podcasters leslie we don't make anything okay is, so if you make zero that's still a number that would qualify you for certain programs perfect perfect see now you don't have to pay back that debt right away <laughs> we, but your interest we, will still accumulate so if you don't pay anything by the time you do earn money you'll owe a lot more man she's just full of good news isn't she <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, that means being underpaid is still glass half full, Doug. That's what that means. Glass uh, half full. Yes. Uh, you know, there's lots of ways to look at the uh, your income. Now, let's say that uh, I have enough money to pay some of my debt, but not all of it. I can pay my student loans or my credit cards. I can pay my mortgage or my student loans or my credit cards. Is there a hierarchy to what gets paid and, and what uh, triage I might do if I can't pay everything? So the recommended payment structure, you know, if you're going to look at it like a pyramid is you have to pay your rent, you need housing, food, shelter. Those are priorities, uh, certainly over the student loans and credit cards. In the general public's view, uh, it would be your best interest to be able to, you know, keep a roof over your head. Um, if you're at the point where you really, you're having trouble really meeting your basic needs like that, you're in a different position. And, you know, at that point, you really have to take a look at what's going on, what the income is, and um, how which ways you can try to turn that around and, and cut expenses from either uh, taking in roommates or living with family or consolidating your, your bills some way, extra jobs, trying to earn more money on side gigs or other things. So, you know, you, you have to obviously take care of uh, your basic needs. But when it comes to making decisions about, let's say, student loans versus credit cards, there's not necessarily a right way, you know, which works best. Some people come to me and they say that they're using credit cards to live off of. So they need to use the money to pay down the credit card so oh. that they can then use the credit card to charge the things that they've been charging. So that's a budgeting issue, too. So that's a cash flow and budgeting underlying issue. So, you know, in that case, that person would likely choose credit cards over student loans. But if you have extra money and you can budget and you, you can balance the two, it really should be a balance between what's going to credit cards and what's going to student loans. It seems like, you know, you recommended earlier contact the servicer, right, before student loan repayments happen. If you're struggling, I would imagine contacting those servicers is probably a big option, too, because they might have, I would imagine they must have some things so you can do. Yep, you'll have much more flexibility contacting a student loan servicer than you will with your credit card companies and your mortgage, uh, for sure. But believe it or not, it's, I don't want to use the term easier, but there it's less challenging to negotiate uh, with your credit card companies than it is with federal student loans. There's no negotiation of that debt, despite what people think. Private student loans is a different ballgame, but you cannot negotiate the balances on your federal student loan debt. On credit cards, you know, you can ask for changes to the structure of what's going on if you're current and certainly if you're behind. 
Um, so definitely reaching out. But if you reach out and you tell your student loan service or your creditor that, you know, you are, and, and let me tell you, especially your credit cards, they can see what you've charged. If you just spent the summer in Europe, it's not going to be a good argument on why you can't pay your student loan debt. So, and I see this all the time about what, what people consider wants and needs. And if you're going to go to your student loan servicer and say you don't feel like working full time, you know, you can only find a part-time job. You're going to be challenged. Sounds like me. It, <laughs> I was wondering why you had your <laughs> you, don't, you don't feel like working. You only want to work part-time. I read this morning on lazy, lazy girl jobs. So I'm not sure if you went to your federal student loan service or any of your creditors and said, hashtag, you know, lazy girl job. And that's uh, why you can't pay your bills, that they're going to be particularly understanding uh, about giving you, you know, different options. So obviously, you know, you've given, you've been given credit. That's kind of a grown up thing and it's an obligation and it needs to be paid back and you cannot rely on the government to wipe out all your debt or forgiveness programs. So, you know, oh. you have to find a balance between what works with your lifestyle and your budget and obviously the willingness on the part of creditors to give you reprieves with the monies that you owe. I can't just tell them that life is cheaper in Spain. Leslie, I can't say that, you know, standard of living life is less. Life is better working remotely. You didn't hear that? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I was thinking about all of the new people that have graduated school, graduated college since this took place. And I remember the difference when I was in college, there was a difference between subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans, right? In terms of how the interest is accumulated and that sort of thing. You mentioned earlier that the interest was going to kick back on in September. Is this one of those situations where it's like, you know, I graduated in 2019. I've been deferred this whole time. I've never made a payment. Am I going to get hit with three years of interest all at one time? Or has this been zero interest the whole time? And now it's just going to start for the first time. So I, I actually living that dream. My three of my children graduated from college during the you know during the last few years. So uh, and all of them have federal student loans. So the it's not going to be a in interest from the day of the original CARES Act back in March okay. of uh, 2020. It, it, the interest is going to start from uh, September 1st. So whatever your balance is, if you owe 10 grand, it's going to be you know interest from that 10 grand. So that would be quite a punishment. To, and then how would they calculate it? It would be super complicated because interest rates, the challenge now is that interest rates three years ago were super low, mm -hmm. you know, historically low. Now they're now historically high. So the challenge is that now that interest is going to kick back in, it's going to probably be at double or maybe even triple interest rates that you saw three years ago. So uh, mm. that's why paying it down would be the ideal position to take because interest is now historically high and student loans do flow with current interest rates. I was going to say the furniture store figures out how to hit me with all that interest at the end of, right. It's like, well, they say no interest, no payments for 12 months. And then at the end of the 12th month, it's like, well, that couch costs three times as much now. Bam. You make any payments. <laughs> I don't understand what happened. That would be challenging. It'd be quite a job for the federal government to figure out everybody's interest. And considering everybody has in some loans have different interest rates, yeah. uh, subsidized versus unsubsidized, that's who's paying the interest. But to figure that out would be, but it would also be a bit of a punishment. I don't know that that would fly. And I think that would be kind of like a, kicking the behind, you know, on the way out of having three years of no interest. The federal government kicks you in the behind every so often? Come on. What? Yeah, Come on. Who knew? I've never experienced that on uh, around April 15th, something yeah. like that. Leslie, if somebody's really struggling with debt, whatever type of debt, and they need uh, better help in their corner, how do they find you? 
lots of ways to find me. So certainly you can uh, find me in any type of search engine with my name, attainlaw.com, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, uh, lots of ways to find me. And um, we always have really great suggestions. If it's not something we can help you with, we will send you to um, other resources. So um, feel free to reach out anytime. You can certainly uh, send us messages, email us, and we're happy to talk about uh, the different types of resources and where to find help with your student loans. Well, speaking of resource, thanks for being a huge resource for our stackers today and sorting this out. Unfortunately, it sounds like we should get ready to pay the bill. It is time to figure out. It's stressful. There's no doubt that a lot of people are panicking right now because budgets are tight. You know, you talked about inflation. Um, The cost of goods and services is up. Interest rates are higher. So interest rates are higher on anything that you're buying. So it's definitely a stressful time for those with debt and and now facing student loan debt and repayments, especially if your income has gone up or you got married. You know, that's going to be a consideration. So, you know, a, a tough time for a lot of people. But, you know, don't hide from it. Joe, I got a question for Leslie before she leaves. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Leslie, on Long Island, when does the weather get too brick to leave your house and go spend some guap on a slice? <laughs> what the hell are you talking Are about? you making fun of my Long Island accent? You got that G perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I am a master of voices here and nobody believes it. And just so you know, Leslie, he's an equal opportunity. He'll do Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. He'll take down. I'm not offended. uh, I'm proud of my Long Island accent. So uh, those who are not from New York think that it's like a Bronx or Brooklyn accent, which it definitely is not. It is. It is Long Island to the T. (laughs) I just no longer the 80s. So like that stereotype of a girl with like really big hair. So that's yeah. Your hair is not nearly big enough. I'm never giving up this accent. She can't even try. We will link to Leslie on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. So all those links that you're looking for, just head to our show notes page. Leslie, thanks for hanging out with us again and helping us. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Leslie for hanging out with us. Oh, gee, our average stacker's got a lot of planning to do in the next couple months. Yeah, I um, I was kind of torn on this over the years. Should I pay it down? Should I keep on saving it? Should I invest the money differently? you know, uh, uh, this payment amount that I've had. And I don't think that any of us could have predicted that interest rates were going to go up so much. And, you know, maybe yours are fixed and that's great, or you refinanced them, but kind of everything's back on the table now. Again, like like she was saying, trying to requalify for different programs and, and figure out uh, what your payment's going to be. But not always is the lowest payment the best option because the hidden thing that that Leslie said there was that if you qualify for some sort of deferment, the meter is still running on interest. And when we hear these stories of people who graduated college with $200,000 of student loans and they're 50 years old and now they have 800,000 of student loans, the reason that Jeez. that happened was because they, you know, the, the, the meters running the whole time, you know? And, and so you, there's a risk with saying, well, I'll take the lowest payment possible because you may not be making any progress whatsoever. And, you know, eventually they get you, <laughs> you know, they get you in social security at the end. So, one way or the other, the government gets their money. So make a plan for it. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Uh, those really bright orange golf balls. <laughs> so when the grass is long or the trees, you can actually find them in the rough. I was playing, uh, Cheryl and I were playing disc golf the other day, and I threw one that I thought was right in a great, I couldn't find, I couldn't find it like this big white disc. 
Couldn't find it anywhere. It had somehow made its way like wedged under this little, um, this little pile of leaves. Like I totally could, even if it were bright orange, I still couldn't have found it. You lost me at disc golf. When you <laughs> finished disc golf, did you take out your hacky sack and start listening to the Grateful Dead? Oh what? my God. There's so many people play disc golf. You just offended like half no, of our, I actually, half of I, our I, listeners. I, you know, that's the stereotype, but I've played it a couple times. It's a lot more fun than you think it's going to be. It's pretty I got to cool. tell you too, it's harder than you think it is. Yeah. I see, I see these things that goes par three. Yeah. I could hit that in six. Mm-hmm. Like it is. I'm nearly as bad at disc golf as I am at real golf. Nearly as bad. That's not you, possible. You guys have both played real golf with me. <laughs> I bet he's faster at disc golf, OG. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I play I play bad golf fast. I play bad golf fast. I do not sit and line up my shot because I know it's going nowhere good anyway. How about Brian Harmon waggling the waggle counter on Brian Harmon at the, saw uh, that. At the open? 11 or 13 or something. Yeah. Jeez. God. Holy cow. Uh, hey, it says here it's your loved ones in your time. <laughs> okay, sure. Things. We'll go with that. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance at Haven Life actually simple. Uh, head to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now for your free quote. Love what they're doing at Haven Life because they're committed to offering insurance the modern way. They have streamlined the questionnaire so it's very quick. It's all online. You get an instant coverage decision, for affordable prices, and you get this done with a company that... Uh, is insurance through mass mutual more than 160 years old stackybenjamins.com slash haven life get it done people today we're going to throw out the lifeline to anonymous hello anonymous hi joe and og i was wondering if you could explain more about the efficient frontier I have heard you mention it, and I have looked it up to try to learn more. And I get the idea of sort of taking, I guess, funds, if you will, kind of the most efficient mix of funds or uh, ways of investing to get to financial independence or whatever the goal is. But I could not figure out or understand what is would actually be in someone's portfolio if they were trying to invest using sort of the efficient frontier theory, if I understood that correctly. So could you speak more about what that actually means? Thank you. Thanks for the call. And we haven't talked to efficient frontier in some time. So what is it and uh, what type of investments is in your efficient portfolio? Well, I think to kind of start this out, I think it's kind of interesting just to kind of maybe set the stage for what the heck are we talking about here? And at the easiest level, let's just kind of graph out the relationship of risk or what we might call volatility, right? The ups and downs of your portfolio with how much return potential you have. Arguably, if you had all of your money in cash, you could kind of graph that and say, all right, very little volatility, very little return. If I had all of my money in the tiniest, brand newest, individual stock in the universe, high return opportunity, high volatility, right? So those might be the two extremes of that graph. And so every point along the way is an opportunity to have a little bit more return with a little bit more volatility, right? So as you add more return potential, you're going to add more bouncing around, if that makes sense, a little bit more ups and downs. So as you look at all the different types of investments that are out there, and we could just start out with really simple ones, just say big companies and small companies. 
there is a mixture of big companies and small companies that produce different amounts of risk and return based on how you allocate to those with those percentages, right? If you have 90% of your money in big companies and 10% of your money in small companies, it will produce a certain risk and return profile. So as you add other asset classes, as you add maybe international investments or you add brand new countries or you know emerging countries and you add big and small companies within those or you add fixed income or you get esoteric and start adding things like commodities or private equity or venture capital and you can see there's a lots of different asset classes that you can have here the sprinkling of those things will add different risk and return profiles and so the efficient frontier is basically uh, an equation of what is the most efficient use of all of those different types of tools to achieve the highest level of return for that unit of risk. And the reality is is that there's no right answer for it because it's going to be different for everybody. And it's different based on the parameters that you put in there. If you say, I will only allow us to use 5% venture capital funds, that's going to have a different risk return profile than if you say, I'll allow 50% venture capital funds and so on and so forth. Well, it's also going to be different if you just say, I want to solve for an 8% return period. I don't want to, I, I want the least risk with an 8% return because I know 8% is what I need to safely reach my goal. Yeah. And so it's, you know, you can start there and say, I want 8% to reach my goal. What's the right collection of stuff to get me there? But then also it depends on how many, how many, you know, how many tools do you want at your disposal? Yeah. You know, you and so private so, equity, so, no, thank you. Right. If you start Xing things out, it's going to change the parameters. What's really interesting, I find, about the concept of the efficient frontier is that it actually doesn't end at cash. It actually ends the most conservative portfolio that you can have that produces the best risk return profile is more of like a 2080 portfolio. So you think about the graph, it doesn't go in a straight line. It actually ends at 2080 and then curves back into the right because it gets riskier with less return, the less stock that you have below 20. So the most conservative that you should be is 20% stock. If you're like, I just want to be the most conservative I can, the right answer is about 20%. The other thing that's really interesting is that there's not a profound difference as you get past about 80 or 90%. Yes, 90% gives you more return than 80, and 100 gives you more return than 90, right? That makes sense. But you can tell that the curve sort of flattens out at that point. So you make big changes when you go from 50 to 60% or 60 to 70 or 70 to 80 and smaller impacts to your overall return when you go from 80 to 90 or 90 to 100. But all of this to say, I think, Joe, you kind of cut to the end of this, which is you start with, what do I have to do to reach my goals? That's really where to start with all of this. Because if you start with, what's the right allocation? The answer is it depends. Like it can be all over the, it can be all over the board depending on what you're trying to aim for. So starting with the right return profile that you need to reach your goals based on how much you can save and based on how much you already have saved and uh, the time that you have, I think is a better place to start because it will narrow down your choices from infinitely all of the investments available to you to what are the ones that make the most sense. People are wondering where to get these tools. You can find those on a lot of the, uh, the the traditional asset manager websites. You'll find some basic tools around 
what's my better asset allocation. There's a website called Portfolio Visualizer. It has a lot going on under the hood. So mm-hmm. you'll need to toggle, do a lot of toggling. You'll have to spend a little while there, but you can go to Portfolio Visualizer. But any good financial planner will also have those tools available and will be able to show you, okay, here's here's the investments you have that are working. Here's the ones that might need to move to reach that uh, that either better sleep at night factor. Because really, you're going to get two things, OG. You're either going to get less risk, yeah. same return, which is great. You'll sleep better at night or better returns and no more risk than you're taking now. I mean, those are two basic things, but really what you're going to get is you'll start off with the goal of what you want. It'll be a separate point, And then that'll show you, okay, these are the investments historically that got you there. And then you start having a discussion about which investments need to stay and which ones need to go because these ones work and these ones don't. So it becomes much easier to decide what asset classes I'm leaving. And to be clear, this doesn't, this doesn't recommend like general motor stock. It's just going to say large company stock or large company. Well, yeah, I mean, and you can do that with individual stocks too, right? I mean, you can create that thing that overall, my, my thoughts on all of this have changed over the years and, you know, being exactly technically perfect I think is pretty impossible. It is impossible. And I mean, really the, the, the point that drove this home for me. So the guy who created all this stuff, his name is Harry Markowitz. He was awarded a Nobel prize. He knew all of this and not only knew it, but he proved it. And still, if you asked him how his investments were, he was 50, 50. So he doesn't use it. (laughs) Well, I'm sure he did to some extent, but he didn't use it to, to like get to the, you know, exactly where is the finest point. Yes. You know, more and more um, research, and, and I think just all of our anecdotal collective wisdom suggests that everybody knows the right answer to a lot of this stuff. You know, there are some people who don't know. So and, I will and, completely disagree here. Well, let me finish. Yeah. What I mean by that is we know that we need to save money. We know that we need to invest money. We know that we need to stay away from credit card debt. And we know we need to, you know, live within our means and those sorts of things. And yet we still do things that are anti that and no amount of like efficient frontierism and being exactly technically perfect on your asset allocation is going to make up for the fact that you're a thousand bucks a month short of your savings. Right. You know, you can get, and this was also studied, the asset allocation accounts for 90% of your return. Right. And so that's kind of the big, that's kind of the big thing that everybody points to. It's like, well, this is the thing that matters the most. The stock selection and timing and all that is like the other 9%. And that's true when you look at all of the other things being equal. But what we find is that it's not the asset allocation that's wrong, although quite often there's some improvements to be done there. It's the fact that you're way under saving or you're way saving in the wrong place. All of your money is pre-tax. You don't have any money on, on you know, the tax-free side or the on, the on the non-qualified side. I agree with all that. That's what I mean by we know. Yeah. You know, there's far fewer people, I think, that I run into that are like, okay, I've saved $11 million. It's all in cash. Now what? And far more people that I run into that are like, okay, I kind of sort of did what I could on the investment stuff. Sure. But I only am saving 200 a month. How am I doing? It's like, well, you're way behind. That's in the real world though. That's in the real world. That's where we live, man. (laughs) No, no, we actually don't. We have a bunch of people who are podcast listening nerds 
who spend a ton of time being very efficient in every other area that listen to this show. And then they go, no, 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 VTSAX. I'm not doing crap above that. And you and I know that the efficient frontier is such a better way to go because these people have already done everything you're saying, OG. So in our little fishbowl community, I want to be clear to these people when you say, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, to you Uber geeks out there who do everything else correctly, but you ignore this because of some talking points you heard, you're wrong. You can pick up a bunch of extra money there. You can actually optimize in this area. And it just blows my mind why some of these people will optimize every single thing. But no, 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 no. I'm going to stick with the beginner strategy. It's a great strategy. I'm not, I'm not ripping JL Collins here. Yeah. What I love about the simple path to wealth is it goes, hey, when you first start off, forget about asset allocation. Just buy the total market and you're going to go. And it's simple. And you will make it. You know what? He's not wrong. But when you've accumulated a million dollars and you're still on, oh, just put it all on VTSAX because I know simple about it. You are, you are, you can, you wouldn't waste that money in any other area of your life, but you'll waste it here. And I just don't get it. So I just want those people to hear you correctly too. Hot take. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And you know, there's certainly extremes on both sides. I think I, I suspect that in the general population, which includes people who don't listen to money podcasts. In the general population, you're spot on. Yeah. And then in our space, I think that there's probably a little bit of both, although it would err to that side. You know, it's no different than saying, I'm never going to use credit cards because, you know, Discover Card points never got me retirement money. You know, like just stealing a line from Dave Ramsey, right? Like as your mantra. You're right. Absolutely. Having credit card debt is awful. But I went to Cedar Point with my kids we got airline tickets, the park passes, stayed in the hotel, and I did it all on points. And it was like three grand worth of stuff that I didn't pay a penny for. So just to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to compare it, I guess, a little bit to that to, yeah. to prove your yeah. point, which is to say the beginner path is right, but also so is, you know, 201, and so is 301, and so is 401. And there's a place for all of those things, basically. So don't just get kind of stuck in one dogma, you yeah. know. As your life goes. Thanks for the question, caller. And I hope that you gave your email to Gertrude when you filled out the form because we want to send you a Haven Life Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. And to get that and to have us answer your question, stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail if you would like us to uh, answer your question as well. Great question about the efficient frontier. Hey, if you're not here to ask questions to us about a uh, profession or getting out of student loan debt. You're here because your plan needs to be a lot better. You need better people in your corner. OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackybenjamins.com slash OG. That leads you to his team's calendar. And you can see how they can interface with you to help you make better financial decisions. We're already going into August. How have your decisions been so far? They need to be better. Stackybenjamins.com slash OG. On a much lighter note, looking at the community calendar, you got till Saturday, everyone, to get in on Kate's birthday bash. Uh, Kate's birthday was on Saturday, but she's been very nice about this OG. She said, you know what? We'll let people get in for another week. So stackybenjamins.com slash birthday bash. You sign up for the 201. You get a double whammy. Number one, you're going to get all those great links, deeper dives into what we talk about on the show so that you can actually dive in even more. But... You'll also now, until Saturday, be signed up for these awesome Sennhauser headphones. And if you don't know Sennhauser, uh, Sennhauser is the brand of microphone that NPR uses to make those podcasts that are nearly as good as ours. Close. 
Guy Raz, he's okay. But no cigar. He's all right. Yeah. Uh, Roman Mars, eh, he's, you know, he's fine. Bruno Mars. <laughs> Bruno Mars. Hold on. Way better think, guy. Do you think Bruno and Roman are related? Cousins. <laughs> they probably are. All right. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us again, everybody. Coming up on Wednesday, OG and I have a top five Top five. We're going to be talking a lot about advisors and your team the rest of the week. I have a top seven. All right. Oh, geez. Bringing it. He's giving you two bonus ones, like the Baker's dozen, the Baker's seven. I don't know. But for today, we'll give you uh, the top three things you should have learned today. Half dozen, Joe. If the Baker's dozen is one more than an actual dozen, the Baker's half dozen would be one more than a half, which would be seven. Come on. Do I have to do math for Wouldn't you? Maybe six and a half, though. Well, do this. Tell like us half what, a donut. Tell us what we should have learned today, Doug. Okay, fine. Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Leslie Tane. Even if student loan debt relief does make its way through Congress, you should always have a plan to pay it off without help. If help does come, so much the better. But if you plan for help and it doesn't arrive, well, then you've got a big problem. Second, why use indexes for your investing? Well, among all of the other benefits, they're self-cleaning. Who has time for managing all the little things when an index can take care of it for you and for a lower fee than most other options? But the big lesson? Turns out that deferring my student loans can still be an option. The good news is that I'm only going to have to defer them for a few more months. You know, until I win the lottery. Thanks to Leslie Tane for joining us to talk about student loan debt. You can learn more about Leslie by visiting TaneLaw.com. That's T-A-Y-N-E Law.com. We'll also include links in our show notes at StackingBenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihat. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show.
Doug, that uh, clearly your definition of a huge amount of student loan debt might be. <laughs> might be right, it's crippling to me. <laughs> a lot of people listening to that going, no, nah, I think I'm closer to that dental number than to the yeah. Doug number. Hey, uh, the inspiration for why we were talking about that in the trivia wasn't just that Leslie was here. It was also, I remember OG in my early days as a financial planner and uh, we were having some meetings and some of them would just go very bizarrely. I remember uh, so many bizarre things, but this one, a friend of mine named Paul, fellow financial planner, was super excited because he had an estate planning issue, which generally, you know, much like uh, people in the healthcare professions will get excited when they see a condition they don't get to work on much and they're able to help somebody in an area where maybe, <laughs> where maybe somebody, somebody, you know, didn't know where else to turn. You know, OG, when somebody has an estate issue, that can get kind of complex. And if they tell you on the phone, they're coming in because of estate issues. Um, and this was about stock and the company they work for, General Motors, which a lot of people in the, of course, Detroit area work for GM. So Paul comes out of this meeting and goes, oh, they had an estate planning issue. All right. Here was the problem. They had three kids and they needed to figure out how to divide the shares evenly among the kids. And Paul said to the client, okay, uh, let's, let's dive in. Let's figure this out. Cause I've helped people with this before. They're like, well, here's the problem. We have three kids and we have two shares of GM of GM. How do we separate two shares among three kids? And Paul said, we can do this one of two ways. We can buy a third share. Or Paul pulled 40 bucks out of his pocket and said, here, I'll solve this problem. <laughs> or, or you could have the estate sell it and just divide the money. And that was their complex estate planning problem. They couldn't figure out without, uh, and don't get me wrong, guys, I'm not making fun of, of clients. People have issues, but that one OG might've been solvable. I remember I was in a meeting with an, a young advisor. Part of my role at American express when I was there was to train new advisors. And so the uh, protocol, the way that we did it back then was mostly on the job training, right? It was like, I will do all of your stuff and you just sit there and watch. And uh, we had a client and I don't remember for which advisor this was, but we had a client meeting and it was about their insurance and risk management. And they had a whole life policy that was not a good fit. We had kind of done the analysis and they didn't need the whole life policy. A term life policy would be fine. And the whole life policy was, was drawing so much cash. You know, I mean, they were putting some big number, you know, 800, $900 a month into this thing. And it's like, well, now if we knock that down to term, you have $850 a month to invest and that's going to go in your Roth and you're going to increase your 401k and you're going to send your kids to college. Like this, all the whole plan hinged on let's get rid of this whole life policy because you didn't need it. And so we go through this whole thing about term and whole life and, and and you know kind of dovetail into the cash flow nature of it and everything and when you have life insurance you don't want to get rid of the existing one until you get the new one right. in place yes right because you don't know i mean you don't want to cancel one you may end up needing it so anyway so we do the whole application thing it all comes back approved you know everything's great so the client comes back in this is a big deal for this advisor because you know the the whole plan the relationship hinges 
on let's get rid of the New York life policy, free up all this cash flow, free up all the cash flow, and then you can accomplish all your goals. You know, it's, well, it's, 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 that's this is it. And so we, so we, the insurance gets approved long before the days of instant approval and and do it online and all that sort of stuff. So the client's back in and we're like, okay, so we're just going to sign this. And then this takes the new policy and then we're going to sign this. And this tells New York life that you're going to cancel this policy. And, uh, and then we've got this stack of forms here and this will direct all that cash that you've been saving into all these other financial goals. You're going to open yeah, Roth. 401k, and, Roth IRA, boom, boom, boom. And you know, <laughs> I just distinctly remember like the sliding the paper across the desk, right? It was like, and sign right here. And the woman looks at it and she says, well, so we're going to get rid of the New York life policy. <laughs> I went, yeah, yeah, yep. That's the, I mean, we're, we're trading it. We're, we're not getting rid of the sure. insurance. You still have insurance. It's still the same amount. It's still the same coverage so on and so forth. But this is less and et cetera. And she looks up and as plain as she can say, goes, but New York Life is the company that you keep. <laughs> and I almost spit up my coffee. I was like, wait, did you just did you just regurgitate Your a marketing, marketing line? A slogan? She should have followed it up with ba 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 ba. Yeah. It's McDonald's. <laughs> like, I know it is McDonald's, but if she's regurgitating messages. I'm like, that's a that's a that's a marketing slogan, right? I mean <laughs> and she's like, no, no, it's you're supposed to keep it. It says right there, it's the company you keep. <laughs> I had to excuse myself. I had an urgent meeting back on planet Earth. <laughs> so then, needless to say, uh, we are still hoping and praying for uh, for that family that their uh, New York life policy uh, accomplished all their goals for them because that was, uh, that was we weren't going to do that. And that ends another episode of Stacking Benjamins, the only podcast you listen to. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.